Hello, everyone, and welcome to the pilot episode of the first ever Feathers and Field Goals podcast. I'm your host, Bryce Leslie. I'm here with another great person that I can't wait to introduce. If you don't know who it is already, I want to pass it over to my other co-host, Dan Steenkammer. Dan, how you doing today? Bryce, I'm awesome. I'm super stoked that we're getting this thing off the ground. And uh, I salute you and appreciate uh, all the groundwork you've put in and, and made this possible. And I know we're excited to talk Delaware athletics uh, early across the board. And uh, we're excited to have a, a series of guests lined up who are going to make this show, uh, I think, what it is. So I'm, I'm stoked, man. How are you? I'm doing good. Can't complain. Getting close to the weekend. So always get excited about that. And, you know, Delaware at Towson tonight for basketball, a big game to really you know, solidify a chance to get into the top four, kind of cancel out the game that happened in Newark. So definitely a good chance, good opportunity tonight for, for the Blue Hens in this. So it feels like a great time to kick off this podcast. Something that wanted to just cover is, yeah, we're going to be doing every, all Delaware sports. We're going to try to talk about everything from, you know, feathers and field goals. Obviously, it's a football and basketball reference, but we want to talk about every sport and every athletic department here because we have a great program. Two former slash current students here, really young. Uh, we really want to kick off really trying to connect the younger fan base over to the athletics. So um, I guess, Dan, you can start off as, as the current student. You can talk about kind of like your story. You kind of just grew up with Blue Hen Roots in you. So you can just kind of talk about, you know, how you got into it and, and where you're at with with everything that you want. Yeah, thanks, Bryce. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a third generation uh, D- Blue Hen student, you could say. So grew up in the 302 here and uh, grew up going to Delaware football games, every home game, every season, uh, probably since you know, three or four, right? So it, it's just been absolutely something that's been ingrained in me. And uh, as I grew up and got through middle school, kind of had a closer idea of hopefully wanting to work in sports and enjoyed writing. And so sports writing and and, and reading the newspaper, the news journal, and all the coverage of Delaware, and, and, and following along, and, and wanting to be able to contribute in my own way at some point, and it all kind of shook out. Uh, I got fortunate with uh, starting with freelancing for HeroSports.com, covering FCS football and the Delaware beat, the CAA football beat in the 2019 season. So right before the COVID season, I got my first year in, which I'm really lucky about in hindsight. But uh, so that that was kind of the first. Uh, opening of the door on the media side of things and uh you know growing up in delaware was one thing but it's also been really fun to you know cover the team objectively and over the years and get to know coaches and student athletes and administrators and and just uh grow up in a different sense right here in in the state of delaware covering the head so that's been awesome and now as a student I'm calling delaware football games on 91.3 fm wvud uh, many times a year also covering the team with the student newspaper uh, the review it's been awesome. So I'm really, really excited that we're now in collaboration on this. And uh, I just think it's one step further to just continue to meet folks and, and help tell the stories uh, at UD sports across the board. It's, it's going to be a special time. I totally agree. Uh, something that I wanted to ask you, actually, how did you get into Hero Sports? Did you reach out to the company and it kind of worked yeah, your way no. It, it was it was really a matter of luck and happenstance. I just happened to give all the credit to Delaware actually making the playoffs in the 2018 season because uh, UD being in the bracket, I said, okay, I'll go fill out like the bracket challenge that uh, Hero Sports was fielding submissions for. So I got to give a lot of credit to uh, Brian McLaughlin, who at the time was one of you know the leads of the FCS coverage at the site. And 
uh, I submitted my bracket in an email to him because I think he was, you know, taking the fan bracket, you know, PDFs or whatever, fill out your bracket and you can tell us what you think and what your thoughts are and why you picked the way you did. And so I think I included like a little bit of commentary about my picks in my email to him, not not in any particular reason other than just to explain my reasoning uh, and just have some outreach and interaction with uh, McLaughlin. Uh, Brian's a great guy and somebody who does great stuff in the FCS. And uh, he got back to me and said, like, shoot, like that was pretty nifty. Like we are trying to have folks on the ground at different schools who are interested and maybe want to blog about their schools. And so it sort of evolved from talking about that kind of thing and maybe considering that possibility to having kind of a full-fledged not just blogging in that sense, but like truly like doing the interviews on the ground, uh, having a week to week, season to season coverage. So I really did get lucky with that. It was really just a matter of I give BMAC uh, so much thanks and credit. And then Sam Herder as well, uh, also integrating me into the team and kind of trusting me with more and more responsibility as I just was hopefully just able to meet meet. It was a freelance thing, right? And it, and it still is. But I think I give them uh, many thanks for just giving me the green light to do as much as I could. Yeah, that's awesome. And when I became a student here and really started following UD Athletics in 2019, you're one of the first people I found that was covering them. So it's was, it was really cool to to follow you there. And I guess I can kind of dive into my story. I'm sure a lot of, in, in terms of the Blue Hen fans and you know, those around the athletic department, they definitely probably know your name to face because you know your brand has always been you. And I, you know, I kind of always built up behind uh, UD Recruiting. So I made this Twitter account called UD Recruiting. Over COVID, I, I've heard. I'm sure you heard this story, Dan, and I, I've told a couple people. But I grew up a massive uh, Notre Dame Irish fan in all sports. You know, the Golden Dome. It's it's an awesome place to see a game in South Bend, and it was my dream school growing up. And I ended up going to Delaware, and but just following their athletic coverage, just the recruiting process, just knowing what recruits are getting offers, who's on campus. You have the golden ball, like you, you have like the, the guessing, the crystal ball if they're coming. So it, that's always something I enjoyed following. And when I got to Delaware, you know, I got into the first game in football. It was loaded with students. It was great. And then the second game, there was a little bit less, but still solid. And the third, things started slowly getting down as, as it got colder into the winter months. And you know, similar to basketball, we had a great basketball team my freshman year, so centered around a great guard duo and Ryan Allen, Kevin Anderson and Nate Darling shooting on the wing and Dylan Painter down low and Justin Mutz. Like that was such a great starting five to like really get excited about. And, and then the COVID happens. So we go home, the season's canceled and I, I was truly, really trying to find passion. So I was really trying to find hobbies and you know, this is around the time where, you know, you're offering the, the classes of like 2021 coming in for football and, yeah, I started finding them and I was like, well, I, I'm going to make my own account for myself. I'm gonna, I just called it, I called it Dell recruiting actually was my first. Oh no, That's, my, not that fixed. Yeah, my, my first thing. And actually um, one of the coaching staff members reached out to me and like was like, hey, you're doing a great job with this. Like we really see like your posts and everything. I think I had like 20 followers at the time. You were probably one of them. And um, he was like, you got to change it to UD recruiting. So I, I switched it over like about a few weeks in and. Like I said, it's still kind of for myself, but, you know, then as things started to grow, I found the, the, the Go Hens board online and I started like throwing tweets in there, started like adding to the collection of great people over there with information and great fans. And 
followers started to grow, recruits started to follow. I had to make sure I, I people knew that it wasn't connected with the school to protect myself and the school because my DMs are flooding with, with accounts, uh, reaching out about their film. But, you know, and things went. I graduated last May, and I really wanted to stay involved with UD Athletics because it brought great memories for me. You know, winning the CA tournament for basketball is a great experience. Going to all the football games is great. Still made it to every game as an alumni this year. And then the move to Conference USA happened and got reached out to by a, a media brand called Sideline Sports Network. And they said, we, we really want a Delaware account. We don't usually pick up accounts from the start, but we think you'd be great with your following. You'd be just in a bigger light. And, and I kind of asked, well, like, what else can I get from it? besides like just becoming the brand and they were like well you would get a chance to you know be part of like you can be part of coverage for media you can get credentials and do you have any interest in writing and I said of course and it's been a really fun hobby and when I got into it I really thought you know how it'd be great to just bring a podcast out there we have a couple great podcasts surrounding Delaware sports but you're the first person I came to you're the first person that made my logo for my <laughs> for my UD recruiting so you know, things come back around and we're kicking this thing off. So I know I kind of talked there for a while, but it, it's been, it's been coming for a long time, years, years ahead. So it's cool to now really kick this off with you. Yeah. The origin story, man, we had to make sure it was all laid out there for the, for the people, because it's, it's just, it's a UD story. It's one of the, what's one of the UD stories that we'll get into. And, uh, but now the more important part is uh, telling everybody else's story. Cause that's what, that's what the people are here for. Yeah, exactly. And we have a really exciting one here today with us. We have coach, head coach of baseball, Greg Mamula with us, and we're really excited to get him on to answer questions about you know, how, how he came back to Newark and how that first season went in 2023, how the 24 season's looking. We have a great lineup returning. We have some great pitchers returning, got some new guys coming in. So we can't wait to sit down with him and to really talk about the incoming baseball season. So for those here, Obviously, for the first time, thanks for being here, and we'll kick off this interview. So thanks again for everyone for being here for our first episode in podcast history. Also now very honored to have our first guest in history, Delaware baseball head coach, Greg Mamula. Uh, coach Mamula has, before Delaware, now it's the second season before Delaware, he was an assistant here and a recruiting coordinator here. He was also at Shipping at Shippensburg, a head coach at Westchester, assistant coach at Cincinnati, and a lot of different titles at Florida Atlantic for seven years. Hitting coach, infield coach, their base coach, recruiting coordinator, and associate head coach. In his first season with the Blue Hens, he led them to a 30 and 29 record, including a 17 and 13 conference record, which was its best since 2018 as a program. Coach Mamula, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Bryce, for that good introduction. I am most impressed that you pronounced my last name correctly without even asking me. So impressive. It's funny you say that because Dan and I were talking through and we we're like, you know, Coach Mam, so we're guessing it's uh, Mamula, not Mamula. So we definitely we definitely tried to work on that before you got here. <laughs> yeah, no, that I think that's probably how I got the nickname, right? Is It's just easier to remember Mams than Mamula and a lot easier to say. Right. So I also have Dan here with me today. Dan's a current student has caught a lot of your games before. Um, something we wanted to just talk about before we get into, you know, 
big season coming up. We start play in, in just a week from now. But um, can we maybe just talk about like, your background as becoming an assistant coach? Maybe we could start out when, when you were at UD the first time. Um, obviously, before you got here, Delaware has only had two head coaches since the 1965 season, yeah. uh, one of them being Bob Hanna who won a, a lot of baseball games over his time here and the beautiful stadium named after him now. And the other is someone that you got to coach under is uh, Jim Sherman, uh, who was top 25 in NCAA Division One history and wins. Um, how was learning under Coach Sherman, uh, who was under Bob Hanna as well at one point before yeah. he became the head coach? No, very, very grateful to uh, Sherm, as we call him, you know, for giving me the opportunity. I was a young um, young guy with aspirations of being a Division One head coach. One day, I had been a grad assistant at Shippensburg for three years, as you mentioned. And Sherm hired me as a. I'm going to do some math here, as I think probably about 25 years old to be the recruiting coordinator at Delaware, and really gave me a really long leash with the recruiting, um, and felt like it gave me a great base for recruiting, where I made a lot of mistakes. Uh, Bryce was able to learn from them. I think I got a few um, players right along the way and obviously learned from those guys as well. So Sherm, you know, giving me the opportunity to be a division one assistant and then giving me the freedom to go out and recruit, you know, players is really, was really a strong foundation for me moving forward. And then, you know, was able after being at Delaware for five years, was fortunate to get the head coaching job at Westchester, um, was there for three years, had a yeah, so we had some really good teams. Went to the Division II World Series in 2009, which was my last year. Um, left to go to Cincinnati. Was there as an assistant for four years. Um, from Cincinnati to, as you mentioned, Florida Atlantic for seven years. And back full circle now in my second year as the head coach at Delaware. So needless to say, Bryce, my wife and kids um, hate me for moving them all over the country. But we're in a really good place right now with Delaware. And I should note, we're not just talking to the head coach of the Delaware Blue Hens baseball program, but a, a former four-year starter uh, up, up at St. Bonaventure, a, a two-time uh, team captain there in the infield uh, for the Bonnies. And, and I bring that up because, of course, you look at those St. Bonaventure stats, you had also a two-time A-10 all-academic team uh, member yourself. Bryce also dug up you know, the, the academics and looking at the track record of, of your teams along the way. Uh, that team GPA at Westchester, uh, it increased from 2-3 from to the 2-8 and 3-1 uh, range each season. Uh, if you could speak to you know, what is the importance of not only building a winning program on the field, uh, but also in the classroom? Yeah, well, we obviously intend um, and do our best, Daniel, to recruit strong students, right? You want successful people in your program if you want to win and typically successful people do things right in all facets of their life including the academics but really the message to us with our students is it's about being the best student you can be you know we had a young man last year that was in a science major and he worked his tail off to get a 2-6 and that was success for him and then some of our other guys in different majors if they got two sixes, you knew they were underachieving. So it's about, you know, what God gave you academically and about working your best given, you know, what you have within the major is the main message that we preach with our guys. So kind of like off the field, we talked about that on the field over your time before UD, pretty much everywhere you went found success at the plate and 
on the field uh, with their gloves as well and where you, wherever you worked with them. And it seems like an, a consistent theme wherever you are. Uh, it, there's good results at the plate. So could you kind of, before we get into the Blue Hens in 2024, could you just get into more so your team philosophy and structure around hitting and defense? Yeah, and we talked about Sherm earlier, and really that was my, you know, a lot of my foundation of what we do philosophically with offense, you know, was, I guess, started under him and, you know, feel like we've developed at the different places we have been. But we have, it's no secret, Bob Hanna is a really hitter-friendly stadium. You know, during the springtime, the wind is typically blowing out to right field at our park. So, as I tell our guys, we need to be the best offense in our stadium every game we play. So we're going to recruit that way. We're going to coach, develop that way. And when you ask about, I guess, philosophy, we're going to start there, you know, from a team standpoint is we need to have a, you know, dynamic offense that can score a lot of, a lot of runs. Um, Also no secret that we didn't pitch it as well as we needed to last year. So have really made that an emphasis in recruiting you know, as far as how we've allocated our scholarship money and have worked hard at getting more talented and more depth um, in our pitching staff. And I think the fans will start to see um, the beginnings of that this year where I think we're going to pitch it much better this season and be a more well-rounded team in 2024 than we were last year in 2023. As you get into your second year as head coach of the Blue Hens, certainly Delaware fans have gotten to know you well, but as we, you, you touched on your own background, but just to explore that a bit more, uh, even working back to your time with the Bearcats of, of Cincinnati, you, you had such a hand in recruiting Ian Happ uh, to Cincy. And of course, we know Ian winds up uh, be, being a top, a top pick in the draft over, over to Chicago and is an all-star in the major leagues and, and all of his accolades. Uh, you know, how was recruiting and working with a, a player like Ian uh, from, that, from, that, from his young age in that time? And, and what, what did you see in him and what are the kind of the things that separate the, the guys who are on their way to being pros? I know you were mentioning you want to recruit guys at Delaware yeah. who have the ambitions of being a professional a ball player. Yeah, like I and probably anybody that's recruited a um, future major league player would be lying most of the time if they told you, you know, as I watched Ian as a sophomore, junior in high school, that I knew that that would be <laughs> the end for him. But what I will say is, I started to see from a competitive and personality standpoint, the minute he stepped on campus, some really unique um, attributes, you know, about him. And then as he got into his freshman year, that's when I'm like, whoa, this kid is different. And that's probably one of the first time, you know, he's 50, 100 at bats into his freshman year. Probably would have been the first time where I would have said, that's going to be a big leaguer. And I remember thinking by the end of his freshman year, like that's a future first round pick and I think Ian ended up going I don't know ninth 12th overall that year to the Cubs um, I would say the same uh, had a young man at Westchester Joey Wendell that is going to be in I believe this will be his eighth year he's with the Mets now this year is with the Marlins last year but um, Joey same thing at Westchester you know partway through his freshman year was like man there's something different you know about this kid's competitiveness and what he's seeing in the batter's box and then fast forward to Florida Atlantic, same exact thing. Nolan Shanuel uh, was a first-round pick out of FAU last year and actually made his big league debut as a 21-year-old, played, I think it was 21 minor league baseball games and moved up to the big leagues. And the cool thing about Nolan is he's starting this year on a, I don't even know what it is, 30-some consecutive game on base streak, which is the second longest in the history 
of Major League Baseball for a rookie. But, you know, I, I bring that up just because same exact thing with Nolan, where, again, nobody would have predicted in high school, this is a future first rounder, big leaguer. But as he got into his um, freshman year, those same attributes of the competitiveness, the focus, what he was seeing, the adjustments he could make mid at bat really started to jump out. And that was that would be the three common things amongst the, amongst those three guys that are all, you know, Joey and Ian both established longtime big leaguers have both played in an all-star game and Nolan on his way to, I think, being an all-star in the major leagues as well. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Ian Happ was, all, was the ninth overall pick, so you're right with your with your first guess there. And you, you kind of talked about your time everywhere until the last stop before here. You got into with Nolan um, being there, but under John McCormack there at, at FAU, what are some things you took away from him? Obviously, you said you built, you started to build your hitting philosophy uh, behind Coach Sherm, but uh, what are some things that you, you took from Coach McCormack up here, uh, being under him for seven seasons? No, he was he was awesome, Coach Mack, um, to me and my family, and a great guy to work for. A really unique personality, Bryce, in college baseball, um, and you know, unique personality, but unique in that he's been at the same school for I think it's thirty five years now um and just nobody in college baseball has a better feel for roster management and who fits at their school and in their program better than him because he's been there so long and because he just has great feel Um, and that's something i hope that i have learned from him is roster management and who's going to fit into your university and program that sort of thing and um you know, those would be, I guess, the main takeaway. There's so many little things um, that I feel daily. You know, that Coach Mack come, that I learned from Coach Mack that come out in me. But that's the main, the main takeaway. Coach, so you go from FAU to get back to the University of Delaware, and I, I know this is your at least your second podcast appearance on this uh, preseason cycle. We were catching what you did with the our friends at the Backside Ground Balls uh, show, and uh, you spoke about how different the Delaware Athletic Department is now. What you, what you came back into as an athletic department as compared to when you're working as an assistant in this Delaware baseball program. But overall, how has life been, you know, readjusting to being back in Delaware? You spoke about, you know, your roots being in the state in, in a number of ways. Just what, what's it been like in the past? Now you have a season under your belt. What, what was it like uh, getting back to the 302? No, you're right. I mean, this this athletic department, this university, Newark, is, is a special place that not many outside of the area know about, you know, till you – go to school here or work here, you can really see it. And, you know, as I said in that podcast, this is a completely different athletic department now than it was then. Um, I joke, and there's some truth in this, but when we would have a athletic staff meeting when I was here in the early 2000s, it was all coaches and then there's a handful of support staff. And now the number of support staff we have in this athletic department, like you go to a meeting, there's so many people that are here to support the student athletes within the athletic department for their experience and their growth that, you know, it's just a special place that our athletes can all attest to the, the way they're treated, the support they get. It's as good as it gets in college athletics, like the, you know, the experience of what we're able to offer our student athletes, facilities, equipment, travel. I mean, it's, it's all top of the line. So great, great place. And I'm fortunate to be the leader of Delaware baseball for sure. Yeah, and we're glad that, that you're back and, and running a great program. Uh, into year two coming up, we talked about year one, you know, best conference record uh, since 2018 and made the CA postseason tournament uh, for the first time since that year as well. 
you know, we kind of you kind of talked about in that episode as well. For those that didn't listen, you guys set a team goal for for seven runs last year, and you got seven point six. So the the goal was kind of bumped up to eight. But before we get into twenty twenty four, could you talk about like how you personally think that year one went as a program? Yeah, um, in transparency, Bryce, like all we talked about last year, not all, but um, quite a bit of what we talked about last year was we're not going to be 500 again. Well, we finished a game over 500, but um, that didn't sound great. But if you look at our schedule, um, who we played, where we finished in the RPI, we were in the 80s and 90s for most of the season. I think we finished 1-0 something in the country, um, finishing fifth last year with a 17-13 and 13 record in the Colonial in the seventh best conference RPI in the country you know, the Colonial is really good coastal now, but Colonial last year, really good high-end baseball. So it felt like a really successful season to myself and the players in the program. Um, it was exciting. It was the first time any player in this program had played in a conference tournament. That felt like a win for us. And to go there and win the first game um, of the tournament, you know, was a special feeling for these guys. And it's certainly not where we want the program to be moving forward, but for year one, it felt like a big victory for everybody within. And I feel like everybody walked away with a really good feeling about Delaware baseball and where it's headed. Yeah, last season, it's, it sticks with me watching the number of games able, I was able to take in. The bats were swung. You guys can really swing the sticks and so much of that lineup uh, returns. You, you have seven uh, returning starting bats from, from last season, uh, eight returners with over 130 at-bats. I could go down the list, you know, Pork Loined, uh, you got Bryce Greenlee, the two uh, getting all CAA preseason uh, recognition, but you go down to uh, Diaz and, and Leach, uh, Amato, Dunyan, uh, Kane, Lesher. Uh, Bryce did the math because, of course, he's the math guy on this show, and that's over 1,400 at-bats uh, from last season. So as far as that returning core goes, just how big is that going to be as a foundation of the squad this season? How does that excite you? And can you recall uh, a situation where a head coach has that much of a returning core in year two? <laughs> no, it is, you know, you always, you always wonder in life going into every situation, are you going to be good enough? And you never know. That's the beautiful thing about athletics and baseball is, you know, everybody is undefeated right now, all 305 or however many division one teams there are this year. Everybody's undefeated. Everybody's optimistic as are we, but you don't know. You just don't know till you get going with the season, how it's going to play out, how guys are going to respond. The comforting part, as you said, Daniel, is we head in with a really experienced veteran lineup of guys that have had a lot of success, know how to score runs, found ways to win baseball games. We had no business winning last year. So that's the, you know, there's not much comfort in athletics heading into a season, but that is the comfort that we can kind of hopefully just take a deep breath, relax as we go into the season, knowing that, you know, we've got those pieces in place. Great core, as, as Dan was met, mentioning, and we're not going to get into specifics of all of them because we, we would sit here all day doing it. But someone that does deserve uh, to be talked about is uh, Joey Porkloin. Uh, such a, a great season he had, historic 2023. Sky's really the limit for him. Um, what are you most impressed with him as a player, a person, and maybe how has he improved since last spring from now? Most impressive um, would be the nickname, right? Like, doesn't get much better than that with pork and the fact that he's got a uh, tattoo on his leg of a pig. Um, that's the most impressive. <laughs> now I say that jokingly, but great nickname, great tattoo, great hitter. 
Um, the neat thing about him, the special thing about him is his love for Delaware. Let's, let's be real. You know, he graduated last year. He is one of the top hitters statistically in the country, finished in the top 10 in a handful of offensive categories. In this day and age of transfer portal, he knew, everybody knew he could have jumped in the portal and had his pick of where he wanted to go to school. Um, he picked Delaware. He wanted to be back here. He believes in this place. He believes in where we're going. He loves it here. So um, it's it's awesome, you know, and all the negative publicity that, you know, is going on in college athletics, a story about a kid like that, that this is, this is where he wanted to be and he wants to continue to help move this program forward, you know, with what he's doing on the field and off the field. So just a, an awesome leader, an awesome player, an awesome hitter, an awesome nickname, an awesome tattoo. Hey, what, what, what more can you ask for, right? I mean, to me, to me, that sounds like a ready-made, like NIL. There's got to be some kind of, com- there's got to be some kind of, uh, you know, bacon business or something. That yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that'll be maybe that's more an off-season activity, but <laughs> as we get close to the season. But uh, speaking more to, you know, how the the the, the layout and the lineup looks this season. Uh, you, you do lose a, a middle infield core in, in JJ Freeman and Dan Cavino. I mean, both of those both those players started all 59 games last season and. You saw all-conference kind of level of production for them throughout the season. How, how do you replace that production in 2024? I'm sure there's a lot of competition and, and looking to figure out um, how, the, how those at-bats shake out. Are there players who were present last season kind of ready to fill, step up to those roles? Uh, also, you know, on the roster, a couple of middle infield transfers. So is there kind of an outlook for that position area this year as you guys get going with uh, competitive play? Yeah, no, what J.J. Freeman at shortstop and Dan Cavino provided this program last year, the consistency, the stability, the talent, the numbers, both offensively and defensively, um, those guys were awesome. Huge part of what happened in this program last year. The intensity that J.J. Freeman played with is something that I'm hoping somebody else can step up and provide that for us this year because it was contagious to everybody. I mean, that dude was so locked in every single game. And then Dan, uh, Dan Cavino, Dan Freeman, Dan Cavino, um, the work ethic, one of the first two, he and Eric Ludman every day down to the field at practice, um, the number of swings, his focus, his, the, what word do I want to use? The uh, emphasis he placed on his own development and growth as a player. You know, again, those are the things that you hope can um, somebody else can step forward and emerge in those sort of leadership, you know, roles, categories that those guys played. Many people don't know within this program, but our right fielder last year, Brett Lesher, is a really, really talented defensive shortstop. You could argue, and J.J. Freeman um, probably wouldn't even argue this, that Lesh might be a little bit better defender than him. It just made us a better team last year to have J.J. at short and Lesh and right. And that's saying a lot because J.J. was arguably one of the top infielders in the country last year. He led the CAA in assists last year. So really think highly of Brett Lesher at shortstop. We brought in two transfer middle infielders, as you guys know. Aiden Stewart is a sophomore infielder from Siena. Um, really talented left-handed hitter that has, um, you know, that's going to play a big part in what we do this year. And then Chris Dengler is a fifth-year redshirt junior from Old Dominion that has kind of played all over in his career, second, short, third, kind of utility role there. Um, Those two guys, you know, along with Lesh, so those three guys are really still competing and mixing it up 
in the middle infield. And I feel good about the depth we have with those three. And, and you kind of talked about the uh, less you're going in from the outfield to the infield, uh, talking about guys coming in. You're also bringing in um, a junior college outfielder bat and amazing glove and Aaron Graber. Uh, he hit 18 home runs over a hundred RBIs last season at a Gloucester college, a hit for 500 and not just that, he also was awarded a rolling skull glove as well. So a great addition to the, to the outfield and, you know, you saying Lesher may be moving to the infield is, is Graber someone that fits into that mix perfectly with that move? Absolutely. Absolutely. Bryce, uh, Aaron Graber will play right field for us and is a really talented player, as you mentioned on both sides of the ball, you know, it's a, professional looking body right now um, runs really well and has as much power as anybody in college baseball. Um, it is really impressive. Some of the balls you're going to watch him hit this spring or, or, or you're going to be really impressed, you know, with, with the power that he provides. So we're all excited. We've seen it. Everybody that's been out in the field since he set foot on campus has watched you know, him and the things that he's capable of doing on a baseball field. And I'm excited for our fans to get to watch Aaron as well. I'm already excited to hear about, to hear <laughs> about that addition and, and to, uh, and to get that much closer to seeing it in motion in the lineup. But I know we could talk about this, the offense all day long. Uh, it's, it's a favorite pastime for us, but, uh, you know, we, we also talk about the the pitching on, on this team entering this year. I know you, you've made it even a point of emphasis for your own, growth as a head coach in the program is to, uh, you know, have the, I don't know if the word oversight is the right word, but to uh, have the involvement in terms of building that connection with the pitching staff in, in much the same way you, you have that a rapport with the hitters. Um, but how, how has the development looked like with returners in the position of both starters and, and relievers since last spring? I know your pitching coach also has a lot to do with that as well. No, like I said, we, you know, we didn't pitch it well enough last year overall. We had some guys pitch it well individually, but as a as a staff, it wasn't good enough um, for where we need to get, you know, like not just being transparent. Nobody wants to say that or hear that, but that's reality. So went out and brought in some really talented freshmen and some really talented transfers to throw in the mix, you know, with the group of successful returners that we ha we have had. Um, have been happy with how we pitched it in the fall and in the preseason. Um, we do not have as many healthy pitchers right now as I would like, but we have enough. Um, we have enough guys, and the guys know going in the first few weekends that we're going to need to get innings from those guys. You know, So that's been an emphasis for us is it's a great opportunity for the guys that are healthy that they're going to get to go out and throw significant innings early. Obviously not going to abuse or anybody's pitch count, um, or arm, you know, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint to get them through the season with the pitchers. So they'll be on a strict pitch count the first few weekends as they build up and ramp up into the season. But at the same time, trying to maximize the number of, I should say, minimize the number of pitches to maximize the number of innings that we can get out of them early on. Right. And you kind of talked about the freshman arms coming in specifically one that I wanted to ask about is Tyler August. You know, he comes from the 302, uh, was recently announced Delaware Gator, Gatorade Player of the Year. He, he really could have gone anywhere he liked, uh, but he stays in state, uh, in house with with his father Brian in the Blue Hen Hall of Fame here uh, from the program as well. Uh, can you maybe talk about what Hens fans could expect from him this incoming spring? No, I think you know Tyler's been quote unquote famous within this state, you know, for the last couple of years for his accolades of what he's accomplished 
you know, at Delaware Military Academy in his high school career. And, you know, I know a lot of local baseball fans, when I would go watch his games last spring, there was a lot of fans and a lot of scouts there to watch um, Tyler. And I felt like he really handled the spotlight, spotlight, spotlight really well last year, leading DMA to a state championship um, last spring. But he's... He's exciting. It's an electric arm. Um, it's three pitches for strikes. It's an ultra competitive, ultra competitive guy um, who believes in himself, which is what is necessary for a freshman to, you know, have success right off the bat is a belief in themselves and that they belong and are going to help the team have success. And Tyler believes in himself. His teammates have, um, he has quickly gained our um, trust and belief with how he has performed in the fall and now the preseason. Back, you mentioned the fall a couple times, and I, I think it's important to think back to fall ball. It wasn't so long ago, and that's a spot where guys can make strides and, and, and maybe uh, fly under the radar for fans who are checking out the team again getting into this season. I, I know the season not even started yet. You don't want to, as a head coach, keep too much praise on any one guy too soon. But are there other players who, who have been making progressions that we, we haven't gotten to see yet uh, more in game action? and? Uh, or is it a matter of maybe certain position areas are still not backed up, but pretty well stocked with the guys who have had at bats in games, and it might be still a bit harder for some of those guys who have made progress uh, to, to see the uh, the playing field. Yeah, I would I would hope Daniel that um, you know all of our guys are moving forward, all of our healthy guys you know are moving forward. We put such an emphasis on player development in this program, whether it be in the weight room or you know on the on the baseball field that. I would hope all of our guys are improving and moving forward. If you're going to ask me to call out a few and some of the ones that jump right in my head right away, the progression, we have a freshman outfielder, Tanner Donati from Pittsburgh, who uh, made a pretty significant swing change, really got after it in the weight room as well. And like, looks like a completely different player from when he got here in August till now in early February. Um, there's a lot of others, but he's the one that, I mean, when he walked in the weight room the first day in January, you know, when we got back to school, like the the growth he had made physically in those six, seven weeks that he was gone was was really impressive and it has carried over into his preseason. He's going to be a really good player for us. And again, I, I should probably be calling out a lot more guys, but that, that would be the one if you're looking for a name that jumped in my head first. And that says a lot, too, about a, a player, a young player, right, to have that that sort of, of, of leap physically when you're in that, I don't want to call it the most dead period, but when you're away from, it's still the winter break, winter session hasn't started yet, to come back in the Whitney and to see that, that, that probably spoke volumes to you. No, absolutely, right? And it's, it doesn't really matter. Well, I guess it does matter. I write the lineup what I think, but uh, most important to us is what your teammates think. And we spent a lot of time talking about being good leaders and we're all leaders in this program, but that's a big part of it is right. Setting the example of, you know, sending message to your teammates that when you come back after break, that you look like a different dude because of what you did, you know, in the weight room and in the batting cage or in the bullpen where guys, you know, you can instantly gain credibility with your teammates with, you know, improvement like that. Cause everybody sees, man, this guy cares. This guy's getting after it. This guy wants to be good. And that's what it takes to have a championship program is to get, you know, 36 like-minded guys like that moving in the same direction. That's awesome to hear about Tanner. And, 
you know, just another outfielder of the mix is always always a good thing, especially when you return that much. It's good to see new guys come in also with that same mindset and, and similar development. So excited to see that. Excited to see the offense, the pitching. Um, as the offense, as we talked about, the, the new set goal is for averaging eight runs a game. What other positional goals do you maybe have as a pitching group, fielding group, base running? Um, what about just as a team? Do you have any other yeah, I'll speak a little bit broader than the question you asked, Bryce, but we talk in this program, growth over goals is one of the things I say all the time that, you know, if if you measure everything by a goal, um, you're going to cut yourself short in life, right? And you're only focused on the end result. So for us, growth over goals, um, the journey is the reward is another saying I say a lot with our guys, um, but we do set goals. That doesn't mean, you know, that we're not going to have them. Um, you've mentioned a couple times now the eight runs per game on an offensive standpoint, and really the total program goal above and beyond moving forward and growing everything that I'm speaking of is we we need to get back. We need to get this program back to the NCAA tournament. You know, when you come out to Hannah Stadium and you see the number of regional appearances that are posted on our outfield, uh, brand new outfield wall padding. You know, it is really impressive, the number of NCAA tournaments, the fact that this program has been to Omaha in the College World Series, you know, like that's that's the goal, you know, ultimately of the program is to be consistently an NCAA uh, tournament program. And there's only been, you know, 2001 and 2017 are the only two, you know, in the 2000s. So we got to start adding some more numbers to the wall underneath the regional appearances sign. I'm glad you brought up the, the 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 brand new outfield wall, and not even that, but just that. But the backstop too looks pretty good. Looks pretty clean. The new turf. I mean, I know Bryce on our agenda. We're looking to get into the future of the program too, and speak more about uh, what your expectations are going forward. But it has to feel pretty good to have those new digs and have it all looking pretty sharp in advance of opening day. Yeah. No. This. You know, we talk about growth and moving forward, and we're again, we're in an athletic department and a university that is doing things the right way and is, you know, continually looking to improve and move forward. And I think the facility upgrades for us as well as other programs speak highly to the commitment and investment that Delaware has made in athletics and in the student athletes, you know, but exciting, obviously brand new turf, brand new wall padding, new track man that we just got this off season. And there's, you know, there's some more stuff that I can't speak about right now, but there's some more stuff I think coming down the pike here in the next couple of years. Right, Bryce, we know one thing coming down in a couple of years, Conference USA, it only took us a half hour to uh, to bring up that, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so we're heading over to Conference USA, and I'd say you're pretty familiar with this conference, right? Even if some of the teams are going to be different in, in, 2020, in the 2026 season compared to what you've been with at Florida Atlantic, uh, who recently has, has just left as well. Um, so, and... As a as a program and University of Athletics, it's it's a fantastic move and it's a great opportunity. But for the baseball program, um, how do you feel about the move um, heading from the now coastal uh, over to um, over to the Conference USA? No, you got to think before you say the word coastal, right? Colonial so ingrained, um, <laughs> I know. you know, in our heads, I Delaware. I guess 2002, you know, ever since has been in the colonial. So it's weird to say coastal. No, we. Again, there's 30 Division One conferences, Bryce. Last year, the CA finished as the seventh best in baseball, you know, which is really impressive when you start to think of the conferences that are out there 
two teams got in the NCAA tournament last year, you know, that being UNC Wilmington and Northeastern. As you know, Campbell entered the conference this summer. They are every year in the NCAA tournament. I don't know what their streak is. I want to say it's like seven straight years in the NCAA tournament. So realistically, this could be a three-bid league. There's not many conferences in the country that can say they get three teams into the NCAA tournament, specifically in this part of the country. So the, the Coastal Athletic Conference is a really good baseball conference that has really improved with the addition of Campbell. Um, you know, and as you know, we have this spring and then the spring of 2025. So two more seasons in the coastal before, before we move on to conference USA. And it just feels, it feels so far away, right? When you say 2026, that feels so far away, but you know, the, obviously we're recruiting 2025s right now. So their first season will be in Conference USA. So it's important that we educate our recruits on the level of baseball um, that we're headed to, you know, and it's it's going to be, I think, probably when it all shakes out, a top five, six, seven conference in the country as well with some really neat venues, some really neat places to play. Nobody outside of the college baseball world has heard of Dallas Baptist their only Division One sport is baseball. They're on like an eight or nine year NCAA streak run, um, consistently in the top twenty five. Um, one, maybe two super regional appearances. Um, just you know, a beautiful stadium, good fan base. Um, same could be said about Louisiana Tech. Um, what a neat place to play in Ruston, Louisiana, with their fans and their facility, and you know, Liberty University, and on and on. It's just. It's really high-end quality baseball. Um, new is exciting in life, and there'll be new trips, new places, new stadiums, new venues, new hecklers, new everything for our guys in 2026 waiting for them in Conference USA. It's exciting. I'm, I'm happy you brought up Dallas Baptist because growing up in, in the Maryland area, I've always called Dallas Baptist the, the Johns Hopkins of, of baseball. So it's it, growing up, being around the cross, even though I was a baseball guy, um, Hopkins is, is huge in the cross and similar with Dallas Baptist and in, in the Conference USA. Um, going, yeah, I'm playing showcase ball myself. I've played in a lot of tournaments kind of up and down the East Coast, and it really seems like the ball flies differently in the North and the South. Do you think being the northernmost school currently in the conference, um, will, will that play to your advantage? As you said, the it really flies out to right field. Do you think just like really owning Hannah as your ballpark is just huge not only now but also – you're going to be traveling down to Texas and, and other places. So, well, it's always going to come back to recruiting, right? Like our success in conference USA, just as it is in the coastal is going to be always about the, the recruiting, the level of, you know, talent that we're able to attract and how we develop those players, Bryce. And the hope is that we can do such a good job educating recruits, travel coaches, high school coaches on conference USA and the level of baseball that we can attract really good players to come to Delaware moving forward, that guys are really excited about playing in Conference USA, playing against those teams in those venues. Um, that would be that would be our hope in the recruiting world, which you know will lead to success on the field for us. One more question in the big macro sense of things before we get into, I know Bryce has lined up some cool trivia, some rapid fire for you to round All us right. out. We'll get the tempo going in a second, but I guess the one you know kind of big tent question, of course, we, you even touched on it with Joey Loyand, and, and you mentioned the, the, the realm of college athletics, the era we're in. 
the transfer portal, the autonomy of the student athlete, to be able to have the eligibility quickly to play different places. It, it can put mid-majors at a very decided disadvantage at times when the, de the development has been there. And you talked about the importance of developing and player development as part of your program. Uh, what has the adaptation been like, even for you, from your Westchester head coaching days, I know it's Division Two, but to now being a head coach in a D1 program in this time in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the era of college sports? No, you're, you're right, Daniel. Like, you have to adapt this day and age. There's no more four-year plan, five-year plan. Like, every year is so unique. Um, the evolution of college athletics is changing so quickly that it is our job to adapt or be eaten, I think, as this thing goes. So I, you know, I, our staff, we try to do our best staying in tune with the trends of college athletics, what's changing, what's recruiting, how can we benefit from the change? And that's how I look at, you know, all this stuff. How can we use the transfer portal to our advantage to help our program? You know, at the core of everything, it's always going to be about the people, right? Getting the right people um, in your program, whether it be from a coaching standpoint, a support staff standpoint, and certainly the student athlete standpoint. You covered so much and really loved hearing about the insight of kind of your past, the, the president of Delaware baseball and the future of the program and, and the sport. Um, yeah, as, as Dan was saying, I, I found some trivia questions beforehand. Figured we would rapid fire at you. Um, is it, see how you remember, and we'll start off with your own playing career. Uh, as a Bonnie, do you remember how many like career hits, home runs, and RBIs did you have over, over your four-year career there as a starter? <laughs> hits, I have no idea. Um, home run six. Embarrassing for a four-year starter, a guy that preaches power, and I had six um, RBIs. I have no idea. Do you want me to guess? Yeah, you can. You can say All right, I'm going to guess. Here. I mean, we didn't play because of weather. We didn't play that many, nearly as many games. So I'm going to say, I don't even want to guess hits. Do you have the number in front of you? You have 136 hits. All right, I was going to guess 150. So good thing I didn't guess because I'd be the old guy that remembered himself being better. If I had 136 hits, did I get anywhere close? I hit in the front of the order a lot, but did I get anywhere close to, I don't know, 80 RBIs? Yeah, 82. There you go. So All right. You, All right. So, yeah, and so yeah, 136 home runs. I saw freshman years when you had your most power, actually. I think you had three or four <laughs> that year. So, it, it really – you averaged one after after that season. But, um, uh, but at – what my favorite stat that I found it it took a big digging. You have all these analytics sites and these stat sites, but it took digging to find yours. And I, I eventually eventually found it. And my favorite is you have more walks and strikeouts, sixty eight to sixty seven your career. So I think that shows of how great of a disciplined hitter you were. And junior and senior years, you hit over three fifteen both years. So definitely enjoyed looking at that um, i guess now we're going to get into the coaching career you just wrapped up your your fourth season here um three amazing seasons at westchester as well do you know how many games you've won in your head coaching career so far oh um i i think i can do that i think we averaged 43 wins a year at um westchester so that'd be 129 30 last year i'm gonna say 179 175 somewhere in there so I have it at, at 154. Oh, way um, off. <laughs> so yeah, I went in at, at first. Ah, you're right. You're right. Chester. You're right. I oversold it. We didn't average. <laughs> we you didn't had average. Uh, Westchester. You had 33 the first year. 
um, 45 in 2008 and 46, making the the World Series there in, in 2009. I remember so. myself being better than I was. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, the, the, it, it, this is this is because you're focused on the future, Coach Mams. You're focused on you're focused on the year to come, right? So, there we go. Uh, but we, we talked about some of the, the pro players a, a bit earlier, so this really should be even much easier for you. Um, you have coached five different hitters over your career. Uh, drafted in the first three rounds of the major league draft. So, if could if you could name each of them by the round and the team they were drafted by, can I'm sure I'm sure that's that's something that you probably yeah. rattle off. No, Nolan Shanuel was a first rounder last year by Anaheim, the Angels. Um, Ian Happ was a first rounder from the Cubs. Tyler Frank was a second rounder from the Rays. C.J. Chatham was a second rounder, Red Sox. Gabriel Cones was a third rounder from the Phillies. Boom, bar for bar, even like in the order, descending order of the of the of the rounds. Yep, no surprise there. No surprise there. So we have, we have a couple more. Um, in 2000, like I said, um, the baseball facility was named after head coach Bob Hanna. What was the name of the of the stadium before before Bob Hanna? I think they called it Delaware Diamond. Yep, Delaware Diamond. Yep. <laughs> and I'm told. Um, the field a long time ago used to be up campus, kind of where the uh, behind the rec center now, I believe, was the original field going back. I don't even know, 50 plus 60 years ago. That would have been nice. Uh, junior year, I lived up in, in North Campus up there, and it, it's it's a long hike down there sometimes, especially yeah, when you don't have a lot a car, more so. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I guess, Dan, do you want to list up the last one we have? This one isn't isn't really a trivia. This is just more of a, your opinion here. Oh yeah, this this will get you a chance to dish on dish on an opinion here. So uh, you've had a number of stops over your over your years, uh, coached in Pennsylvania, Cincinnati, Boca Raton. So you've been in a number of different locales. We're wondering, and we got a submitted question that involved this too: Skyline Chili, Philly Cheesesteak, or Seafood? Ranking them one to three. If you if you gotta if you gotta prioritize them, if you're looking to you know, I don't even just talk about a game day food or a game day meal, but in general, <laughs> your, top, your top three out of those: you got the Skyline Chili, the Philly Cheesesteak, and the Seafood. Skyline Chili, what Cincinnati's famous for. If you're not from there, you don't like it. I'm not from there. I didn't like it. My kids were young there. They love it. We went back there this summer and ran right to Skyline. They loved it. I still didn't like it. A cheesesteak equals an upset stomach for me. I'm out on that. Sorry, Philly. Um, I'm going to have to roll with with seafood on this one. <laughs> Only from Boca, though, right? Or can you have to see the water? You have to see the water, or you want, is that one of those kind of things? No. Or, if, uh, if if I get the pick, we're gonna go with some. Uh, we're gonna do a crab feast from crabs out of the Chesapeake with a bunch of Old Bay on them, and let's throw in some um, crab legs while we're at it. Sounds like Bryce's music for sure, yeah, right? Bryce? As I'm as I'm saying, you know, maybe next time we record an episode together, maybe we can just you know get get a, a half bushel of crabs and us you can sit down and eat as we, as we talk the blue hens and, there we and go. baseball so yeah i love that answer and um and this has been a blast so far uh, thank you so much coach mams for for joining us today and um being the f- first guest I'm, I'm really excited to see how this season goes and, and bob Hanna and just want to say Delaware baseball kicks off their season opener on friday february 16th whenever you're listening to this uh, it's 6 p.m. In, in Jacksonville, Florida, against the Ospreys in North Florida. Like I said, still trying to figure out how we can, Dan and I can join you guys on that trip. I love some Florida weather, even though it's not too cold here right now. But um, after that weekend three-game series, the Hens return up for uh, the first home game, Tuesday, February 20th at 4 p.m. in the battle of the 302 against the Delaware State Hornets. 
coach safe travels down to Jacksonville uh, bring some spring weather back here to Newark when you return and best of luck this season thanks for being here hey uh, Bryce and Daniel I'm really impressed with the homework you did in preparation for this podcast um, you know really impressed with the amount of work and time you guys put into organizing this the numbers the stats the I mean I feel like you guys know more about my background than I do certainly with my my stats there Bryce so great job um, I appreciate what you guys are doing for Delaware Athletics. You know, we've got a great thing going here and anybody that's helping spread the word, you know, about the Blue Hens and any sport athletics, you know, I respect and have great appreciation for. So thank you for what you guys are doing for Delaware Athletics and Delaware Baseball. Thank you so much, Coach, for your time. Thanks, Coach. It really means a lot. All right, guys. Have a great day. One last thank you to Delaware Baseball Head Coach Greg Mamula for joining us in the first podcast in Feather and Field Goals history. It was a great conversation to talk about Blue Hen Baseball before they get on the diamond this upcoming week. We have exciting things planned for this spring with a lot of sports, a lot of coverage, and we hope that you guys join us for the rest of the journey. Thanks.